This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Gill, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception. Reception. The show. Uh, I just want to let the listeners know. Uh, voice quality, probably not at an all-time high today. I'm running a little ragged here, playing a little hurt, but uh, but that's okay. We're going to get through today's show. It's all good. Uh, and Matt, we got uh, we got a lot of news, both uh, in reception in the world of reception perception and in the world of the NFL. But let's go ahead and uh, get the uh, listeners all caught up on, on what's going on on the RP side. I was going to say, uh, voice quality. Maybe not so high, uh, but the website quality yeah, boy, up. The quality yeah, is boy. high uh, for the website. <laughs> um, I will say that uh, I have had very little to do with uh, the, the actual <laughs> redesign of the website. Uh, so I was surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised as anybody this morning uh, going to the website to look up uh, something of, you know, some reception perception chart to tweet it out when, uh, you know, somebody signed this morning or whatever. And I'm like, oh boy, the site, the site is ready. So we've been talking about it a little bit on the show, um, the site redesign and kind of the facelift we were going to give receptionperception.com. And, and man, James, I think you guys have, have put together something really killer. I, I think you and Zach and Todd and everybody that yeah. was working on this, it looks awesome, man. So um, I know that we took a lot of user feedback over the course of the last we few did. months about a navigation ton. and how easy it is to find things, which um, the reason I, I'm not so involved in this type of stuff is because like, I know the website I, I was around <laughs> when it got you know put together. So I know how yeah. to find things. But uh, just my first my first impressions is definitely going to be a lot easier for all the other people to find things. <laughs> right. We wanted to definitely hyper focus in on the mobile side, too. You know, we, we saw that uh, the vast majority of our users. Uh, this is a surprise to me. Uh, actually, you know, engage with the website via mobile. Um, and it wasn't really designed, I, I think, for mobile at first. You know, much more of a desktop experience uh, Our our reception perception version one, but now version 2.0, much more geared towards the mobile side. And I think, um, and again, we're hammering out some small details here and there, but anyways, uh, should be a lot easier to navigate a lot easier to kind of scroll through, uh, and find what you're going to find anyways. Okay. Neither here nor there, by the way, go check out the website, receptionperception.com. There you go. Yeah, baby, go um, check it out and, 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 and subscribe. And I think one thing we're going to we're, fo- we're going to focus on two more, you know, we're going to talk about DJ more later in the show, but we have, yeah. uh, we're going to put some more free content up for people to sort of get a taste mm-hmm. uh, of reception perception right now, it's because DJ taste. Moore, he's, he's pretty buzzy. Wet the beak, as they say, wet the beak a little bit, uh, DJ Moore free profile on the website right now. We're going to get to him. Uh, we're definitely going to talk Raiders today, but listen, man, it's Wednesday as we mar- uh, as we uh, sit here, Wednesday, March 15th, and, and the entire football world came to an absolute standstill because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers went on Pat McAfee and kind of laid out everything that's been going on with him. 
by the way, this is the power of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we are literally kicking off free agency today. I mean, I know that a lot of deals had been negotiated up until this point, but free agency officially began today. That's why we wanted to do the, the site redesign today, kind of launch it with free agency. But no one cared, Matt, about free agency at all. No, like literally no, the, the entire football community was on Twitter and reacting to and hanging off of every little word that Aaron Rodgers said. That's the power of Aaron Rodgers, man. That's pretty cool. I think Pat McAfee had something like 500,000 concurrent viewers, you know, crazy, um, crazy on YouTube when, when Aaron Rodgers was on there. Uh, so shout out to Pat and, and the boys and, and Aaron Rodgers and AJ Hawk for putting, for putting that together. And, uh, crazy. pretty, it was, it was definitely, um, you know, I mean, it was to be expected. Everybody's been waiting for this Aaron Rodgers domino to fall. Um, and technically James, as we're sitting here, on Wednesday not done at 3 p.m. Pacific. It's actually not done yet. Um, yeah, not done yet. Roger, <laughs> and part of, I think, what Rodgers wanted to do right. was to go on to McAfee and really uh, settle the score. Like, he he said, he's like, I'm not making any announcement or any decision today. Like, the decision has been made. I made the decision last Friday and made it clear that I was going to intend I, – I intend to play, and I intend to play for the New York Jets, which to me means – just like Trey Wingo tweeted, what was that Monday or, or, or whatever? Basically what he said was like, the deal is done. Uh, like it is done. He is going. And Rogers had made it clear since Friday. Like this was going to, this is what was going to happen. I think he, ex- he felt that after he went into the darkness, that, that something had changed, <laughs> something had changed on the Packers side when he came out and they were just clearly ready to move on and ready for him to make a decision. I think they probably in an ideal world probably wanted him to retire and it would just be an easy transition. But Rodgers isn't ready to retire, I guess, which I mean, he sounded like he was probably ready to retire when he was going to go into the whole darkness thing. And then coming yeah. out of it, he's like, ah, I think he's got another chip on his shoulder and he's, he's, he's fueled by spite again. So he wants to go play for the Jets. And basically what we're waiting for right now is for the Jets and the Packers to agree to compensation. So Rodgers really today was all about, I'm letting you all know that despite like the media, con- the media thing about, oh, look, he's you know, he's holding this up. He's holding these two teams hostage. He's saying, no, I'm not. I've made the decision. These people just need to figure out the trade. So that's really where we stand right now. It is going to happen. It just has not officially happened yet. First of all, good for him, right? Because everyone's going online saying, oh, Rogers drama queen. He's doing all these things. And he's, and he basically set the record straight. He's like, no, that's not, that is exactly not what is happening. Uh, and basically it's the two teams, uh, that are trying to, I'm, I'm sure basically what it sounded like is I'd love to tell people that I'm going to the jets, but the deal's not done yet, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and for everyone saying I'm, I'm creating all this drama and, and doing all these things, not the case, not the case. The yeah. two teams need to work out a trade. And as we said, it's not officially done even now, but I think at this point, uh, everyone was so tired of hearing of of the Aaron Rodgers rumors that uh, that Aaron Rodgers got out in front of it and um and tried to address it. Can I just say this though? I I, I set out a series of tweets here. Uh this is a, it, this I think would be a great drinking drinking game. Aaron Rodgers or Game of Thrones and you just read off some of the things that he says. Right? I mean, if you just go in and just say when I came out of the darkness something changed. I mean, is that Game of Thrones or is that Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. 
It sounds like Bane from, uh, you know, the, the Dark Knight Returns or, or that, whatever. That, that's the only voice I got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's a, well, I just mean, I mean, that sounds like a Bane quote. But no, it like, I think, sure. uh, I, I think that I, that's a great point. And Rogers clearly is a, he's got a bit of a flair for the dramatic. He's got a flair for the spite, which, I mean, Game of Thrones is basically an entire yes. show about about 100%. spiteful folks trying to ice each other out and climb on <laughs> right. top of each other. And, and I know it's, ex- I know it's exhausting and I know it's tiring and uh, Rogers doesn't necessarily uh, I'm not sitting here saying like, you guys need to give Rogers the benefit of the doubt when it comes to creating drama or needless uh, media speculation. I'm just saying that that's clearly what what's holding this up is, is the jets and Packers yeah, actually agreeing to a trade. And it is, it is complicated, right? Because what do you, when there's all, it, what's always tough is when you're only one team. There's only one team in the mix for Aaron Rodgers, and it's the New York yep. Jets. And he's trying to get his buddies signed there, and we know the whole deal there. Um, that's part of it. You know, you, you go in there because Hackett's there, and he loves Hackett, and they have a great I guess. relationship and, <laughs> and all that stuff. Right. Um, but there's only one team. So what can the Packers realistically demand? What do the Jets realistically want to give up for a 39 year old quarterback who? Again, I think was like ninety percent sure he was going to retire when he went yeah. into the darkness. How long are you getting Aaron Rodgers for? Um, is this just a one-year push? I don't know. It's it's a complicated deal, and I understand why that part of the process has been held up at this point. I'll say this: I I, I don't buy for one second that he was ninety percent committed to retiring before entering the darkness. I, I don't buy that for one second. I mean, why why are you even? It just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. And and like, you know, I'm sure from a narrative standpoint, I'm sure it sounds great in his mind. Um, (laughs) It does sound way better, you know, Uh, like, oh, I'm coming back now because I'm, I'm John Wick and I've, you know, there's vengeance on my brain. And no, it doesn't, none of that makes any sense whatsoever. That being said, to your point though, I've seen this take online, which is very odd that the Packers have all the leverage because they can just continue to hold hold out and the Jets need to make something happen. And I'm like, guys, it's March. Right. Why why there's the Packers have no leverage. They're gonna hold on to him till what? August and then and then training camp starts. He shows up. You you really that's a good move for the Packers? No. Yeah. That's not a good that's a terrible move. Like they have to move him in that July time frame. Now the Jets could be getting impatient, but with the no trade clause and all those things. We already know, again, as you mentioned, there's only one team in play and that's the Jets. The Jets, in my opinion, should have no motivation whatsoever to cave into any demands the Packers have. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Both sides, I think, are incentivized to get this thing done to a point that we're not sitting there even I would say like, and by the way, like the Packers want a draft pick. They want to be able to make a pick at the draft. Like that's, I think probably the deadline. Like I think it's, it gets, hopefully, hopefully it gets done here in like hopefully. the next week or so. That would be great. <laughs> I would think, I think so. Yeah. I think I so think too, so. because you don't want a situation again where you can't like, you can't talk about the jets. Can't talk about him until he's a, you know, he's officially a member of their team. That would seem silly to me, but yeah, big, the biggest thing is here. Like they want to get a draft pick. They want to get that thing there, but it's just tough. Like, I don't think they can, and I don't think they are like asking for two first round picks or some albatross package or something like that. The Packers that is because they don't have that kind of leverage either. They want him gone at this point and everybody needs to move on. Yeah. I think that is some of the reports though, that they're asking for a player and two first round picks back And that player. A lot of people are speculating might be Eli Moore. 
Um, by the way, so I just kind of wanted to dig into this. It, it sounds like it's very close. Oh, by the way, let me share one more quote that is very Game of Thrones-ish. And, and again, I just think it would be a great drinking game. There is a sanctuary of solace around my house, giving <laughs> conversations their proper privacy. Like, <laughs> if that is not a quote from the Game of Thrones, I don't know what is. Like, that is, uh, come on now. Come on now. That, anyway, that, that's really that doesn't even sound like, by the way, that doesn't sound like Game of Thrones, the television show. That sounds like Game of Thrones, the book. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how crazy that is. Um, he had another Sanctuary like solace. I love it. He had like another uh, absolutely like ridiculous line too about um, you know when, he, when they were saying about the whole uh, d- list of demands and all that stuff. Oh right, right, um, right. And, and he had some sort of like he you know the way he just I can't remember it now and I can't find a tweet about it, but like some ridiculous line about how he's like he doesn't have them in some chamber you know or whatever like so yeah your drinking game is good james you got some legs with this you need to find like a game maker who's you can do like cards or whatever and you flip yep. them over uh if you get it wrong you drink i mean that you could have you could have people getting uh into a, a pretty tough situation there from a boozed up perspective with this game Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Listen, the Roger saga almost done, okay? But um, I'm more focused in on the Jets now. Um, and I guess to a lesser degree, the Packers. But the Packers, I don't think, really have too many folks that are very interesting um, from a pass-catching perspective. But, <clears throat> okay. But Garrett Wilson looks great. Um, and now they add Alan Lazard into the mix. Maybe, potentially, Eli Moore. I would love for them to keep Elijah Moore there as well. Um, I don't know. What is the contract situation for Corey Davis? I, I have no idea. Is Lazard the Corey Davis replacement? Is that what we're working with here? Essentially. And yeah, let's let's kind of talk about the Lazard thing, because obviously uh, Diana Rossini was the one who reported it and Rogers sort of refuted it, although didn't refute it. He just refuted like the word list of demands or whatever, which she right. didn't use. It was just like nope. other people on A the wish internet aggreg- aggregated it and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, you know, the four players that were on there, three Packers, Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, and Odell Beckham. Uh, Odell Beckham obviously is is the one interesting one. Yeah, that part of it I think is is a little eye rolling for a lot of people with Rodgers, but specifically on Lazard, the one guy who got d- done here at this point. I agree. He's basically just a Corey Davis replacement. Um, and for me, I, I tweeted about this. 
I literally think actually Corey Davis and Alan Lazard are almost basically the same player from a hmm, skill set okay. standpoint, from a, from a w- the way they win on the field. Um, I know Corey Davis is like a former top five pick a uh, billion years ago, and uh, yeah. Alan Lazard is an undrafted free agent. But take that out of it, like what they do on the field and what they bring to a team is very similar. So if Alan Lazard equals Corey Davis, but Alan Lazard equals getting Aaron Rodgers or helping, you know, bring Aaron Rodgers along and make him comfortable, then right. Alan Lazard is greater than Corey Davis. If my math holds uh, up there, basically. Uh, yeah, if, my no, SAT, sure. yeah, if my SAT <laughs> score math holds up there. Uh, but basically, what Alan Lazard is, he's not a separator. Like, his reception perception chart would show that to you. He's, you know, there's a lot of red there. He does not get open down the field. He's not a guy who um, wins really on anything other than, like, flat routes and slant routes. But neither is Corey Davis. Corey Davis has never been a separator either. You know, you look at his um, – I shared this with the Jets fan. His 2020 chart um, from the his best season in Tennessee, Corey Davis. A lot of red there. Not a, not a guy who's going to get a lot of separation against man or zone coverage. But what both of these guys bring is they're pretty good contested catch receivers. They bring a lot of size to the table. And they are great blockers. Corey Davis is a mm. great blocking receiver. Alan Lazard – he brings a lot more positional flexibility too, because the Packers, and of, of course, like not only do they have Rogers there in New York now potentially, but there's you know Nathaniel Hackett is there. He comes from this system. Right. They used Alan Lazard as like a big move tight end at different points. Like he, have, you know, he, he might be more tight end than like some of the tight ends, and I refuse to chart uh, for reception <laughs> perception. By the way, just so like they they really yeah. make use of him as a blocker, and I know that nobody. Nobody has enjoyed this recent like pivot for me into wide receiver blocking trutherism. Um, I tweet about you know Lal Lazard as a as a blocker. Nobody gives a shit, but it really does matter, okay? And like a guy like Elijah Moore, not gonna block Garrett Wilson. He's too good to be out there like wham blocking on lead plays. And both these guys are small, so I actually think Lazard. You take the Rodgers dramatic stuff out of it, it actually makes a lot of sense from an on-field perspective. It's just basically a one-to-one swap of what Corey Davis brought to this team because he's probably going to get cut. He They can yeah. move on from him and save $10 million against the cap. He's basically just going to play that role, and I actually think it's a really good fit, despite the fact that, again, Lazard is probably, like, at best a number three receiver and is 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 more of – he's going to bring you stuff in the blocking game. But this team's got a great running back and wants to run the ball uh, there with Brees Hall. Yeah, and I think that's the identity uh, of uh, their coaching staff as well. Uh, we'll see how much they let Aaron Rodgers kind of freewheel and, and do his thing on the offensive side of the football, which I think Robert Sala would be pretty smart to let him go ahead and go do that. You know, just look, Rob, Aaron, that's just why you go have do Hackett your thing. Too. That's, that's why, I, yeah, exactly. That's like that's why Hackett's, you have Hackett and and not he's, Matt he's, LaFleur, he's a, right? or Mike Exactly, LaFleur. he's a nothing. Yeah, he's a nothing. Like he he's an absolute nothing. Like forget it. Uh, we, we saw that in Denver. He's, he's a non-factor. That's fine. Just let Aaron Rodgers cook and, and let him do his thing. It's all good. Um, okay. But talk to me about the upside now for, for somebody like Garrett, uh, Wilson. And if, if I'm crossing my fingers here, if Eli Moore stays with, uh, the jets as well, uh, can you talk about the potential fit there? Yeah. Let's talk first about Garrett Wilson. Cause I mean, Garrett Wilson, um, is a guy that, I'm in the middle of finishing his reception perception sample right now. As I've said on the podcast, and as we'll talk about with DJ Moore later on, talk about Chris Olave, I think on the last episode, when these guys get big quarterback upgrades or they get traded, they're instantly going on the site. That's a new feature this year. Uh, that's a new thing this year so that I'm not having a chart like McCole Hardman and Darius Slayton because nobody really wants that. You want to know about Garrett Wilson and how he might fit with, with, <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. But I mean, 
Garrett Wilson, dude, he's just such a good player. Um, I, I'm, I'm such a fan of his game. I was a fan of his game as a collegiate player. We know he was one of the best success rate versus zone coverage players among the guys that came into the draft last year. But really, I think what Garrett Wilson showed um, in his first season in the NFL another guy that was a little bit position versatile. Remember there were times where he played as a flanker. There were times he played as like a more of the slot receiver early in the year. And then, you know, by the end of the year, he was kind of that number one X receiver on the outside, but this is a player who can win at all three levels. He's a guy that is, is actually not that disciplined and refined as a route runner. Hmm, um, really? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's just, I, I shouldn't say he's not disciplined or he's not su- some of the like, little technical nuances with him aren't all the way tightened up um, like a Justin Jefferson coming into the NFL who is just, or right. a Chris Olave again, his teammates, a great comparison. Like Olave is his fundamentals are tight. Like he's got everything down to a T, but Wilson still separates at an incredibly high level, you know, for the rookie report exclusively, he was number one in success rate versus man and press because he's really a freak show. He's so Uh, athletic. I mean, he is absolutely unbelievable in that regard. And again, he's not a bad technician or a bad route runner. That's not what I'm saying at all. He's actually a very, very good route runner. I'm just talking about from the, from the fundamental perspectives he can, that's actually almost encouraging is that if he gets those fundamentals tightened up, if him and Rogers get that sort of mind meld going, like, He's going to be an unbelievable player. Oh boy. Um, I've said this a lot about him. He is also in addition to, because I think Elijah Moore, who we're talking about in a second, is also a great route runner, but um, and also a really good separation player. But uh, Garrett Wilson is not just a great separation player. He's also uh, someone that they trusted to throw into tight coverage. Wasn't always great at it, but they, they did trust him there. But most importantly, he's fantastic after the catch. Like these quick hitting concepts that are pretty much were already installed last year with uh with Mike LaFleur and it's going to be a pretty easy transition with Nathaniel Hackett because it all comes off the same tree there um those plays with him are incredible like Garrett Wilson rarely ever goes down on first contact I've made the joke a lot that he is um what all the Tony bros love about Kadarius Tony from an after the catch perspective (laughs) but he can actually run routes like he really is that freaky of an athlete Garrett Wilson I'm very very high on him yeah, Garrett Wilson uh, was certainly great after the catch. We saw a lot of big play highlights uh, from the former Ohio State Buckeye who ran a 4.3840 uh, to give you a little idea of his overall straight line speed. But obviously his horizontal movement too, uh, I thought was really good. But uh, after the catch looked really, really great. Okay, let's dive into Eli Moore. Um, to me, I thought this is a guy that is would be great uh, as – kind of like your second piece, you know, he could play inside, he could play outside a little bit. Um, and he's just an overall, just a high quality player. Like, is he a, is he a true one, one? Nah, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but what does Matt Harmon think about potentially Eli Moore staying on this team? And, and again, being, uh, the bat or the, the Robin to, to Garrett Wilson's Batman. Elijah Moore, I think from a fantasy perspective is going to be a little bit tougher um, because of the roles on this team. But we can talk about that in a second from a talent perspective. Elijah Moore um, is really is really tough because I think he was an 
awesome player as a rookie. You know, he's one of these guys that cleared that 75% success rate versus man barometer that like those guys all go on to become hits basically, except Sterling Shepard who can't stay healthy, but everybody else, it's like everyone who's cleared that bar has been a really good long-term successful NFL pro. Elijah Moore did clear that bar as a rookie, but we know his second year was just such a mess. Um, Again, he's another guy that I'll have a profile up on him on the site by the by the end of the week for sure. Hopefully by the end of Thursday, uh, as you're listening to this. So, I I think that he showed last year still a consistent ability to get open on the outside as an inside player as well. You know, they kind of transitioned him more into a slot receiver role uh, the longer that the year went on uh, right. because they were kind of struggling to to figure out where to what to do with Garrett Wilson because Garrett Wilson just like here's the thing about like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson is like Elijah Moore could still be good, but he's just probably never going to be better than Garrett Wilson. Who's just, again, such a a freakier player better after the catch and and still has, again, tighten up those fundamentals. He could really be a great player. Um, I I think that Elijah Moore can still be a very good player for this team. I think the question with Elijah Moore is basically what's his role going to be on this team. If he stays on this team, because I do think there's a non 0% chance just like you do that. Maybe he, could end up being part of the package that gets sent back to green Bay uh, to sort of beef up their receiver core along with some younger guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Um, And so that's a kind of a separate conversation, but if he's on this team, I think the biggest question about him from a role perspective is, is he going to be a slot only player um, or is Alan Lazard going to be their big slot? And like, who's on the field when they go to two receiver sets and they have, um, they've already got, again, they've already got two good tight ends. If they bring in Mercedes Lewis, now we're talking about a lot of tight ends here, but it's like <laughs> Alan Lazard going to be the flanker and Garrett Wilson's going to be the X, or is it going to be Elijah Moore outside? And when they go to 11 personnel, they, they move Alan Lazard closer to the line of scrimmage because they, they want him to be a big blocking guy. I think that's going to be the biggest question here, but I would still sitting here right now, expect the target pecking order to go Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard. What has me just like the, you know, pausing on that last point is, you know, Aaron Rodgers just obviously loves Alan Lazard so much and trusts him down near the goal line. And Lazard has great hands. And even if he's not open, he could throw to him in tight windows because Rodgers is that guy. So I think Elijah Moore is definitely the biggest wild card in this, uh, in this group here, but he's still a player that based on reception perception and based on his separation ability, a guy that like, I want to buy low on and bet on, uh, bouncing back at some point. I would love to see him stay, uh, for the Jets, but if he doesn't, how ironic would that be? And what, a, what an interesting um, turn of events, because I felt like when he was coming out, getting drafted, I was like, the Packers need to draft this guy. They had a clear need. They tried to address that. They bypassed Eli Moore. Then they went and got Amari Rogers thinking, oh, oh we could yeah. get 70% of, of, of more by getting Eli, Amari Rogers and no, you're not, you know, it's like, come on, man. Like what, like watch this guy play a little bit. This is the guy that would have been an absolute perfect addition to that green Bay Packers offense. Uh, because at the time they would have had Devonte Adams. And then you add in Elijah Moore into the mix and who knows what happens, you know, who knows what happens there? Uh, I mean, I tell you this, I think Eli Moore probably would have been happier, uh, in green Bay than he is in New York because yeah. obviously he went, you know, he went off the, the, uh, the reservation a little bit um this past season so I I don't know um there is that history too right between the coaching staff and Elijah Moore and I think that may play a factor into uh Green Bay 
uh, acquiring his services, which, oh, by the way, they could have just done, they could have just drafted him. Yeah. They could have just drafted Elijah Moore. The, yeah. the Packers have a lot of um, thresholds when it comes to like receivers is they're not going to buy into a lot of these smaller players. And Amari Rogers is like a, a short guy. He's five, nine, but he's like two twelve, or at least he was when he came into the NFL, he was like a, a thick boy. Uh, yeah. Elijah Moore is five <laughs> ten and was like sub 180 pounds. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's probably a big reason. Not And by the way, like maybe they look at Amari Rogers and be like, see, see, that's why we don't do the little fellas. Uh, we're going for these big receivers, and obviously they've looks like they've got a lot of success there with Christian Watson, even though he's you know he's got some things he needs to tighten up as well. But um, yeah, I, I do think it would he would make an interesting go back in that uh, in the trade there, just because like the Packers have always wanted to have like a pre snap. Mo- you know, this is a big a big bitching fest between Rodgers and Matt LaFleur originally was right. can we get a snap without pre-snap motion although I think Elijah Moore would actually be one of the a really good player in that pre-snap motion package it would be a good fit in that system overall but um again it's it, they're running a similar offense there uh in in New York it's going to be pretty similar uh based on what Rodgers just came from so I think more can still fit uh, and it does sound like a lot of the problems that he had with uh, the coaching staff last year had to do, you know, was directed at like Mike LaFleur, which apparently, you know, he apparently like told him to, to you know, go F yourself or F you or something <laughs> uh, on practice one day. But, you know, Elijah Moore, I, I still have hope for the guy. It's just always really tough in that second season when like the team is on a five game win streak or whatever. And you're uh, sounding off about one to get traded. Not not the best right. career move long term for him, no. but um, that rookie season was was fantastic and i i hope he uh and i do i still think from an isolation perspective like when you look at him as a separator uh, and when you look at the way the guys supported him too in the in the locker room like when he right. caught a touchdown against the bears yeah, i think yeah. they all knew what was going on with why elijah moore wasn't having success but right. i agree i still think he could be like a I, I still think he like his collegiate profile and reception perception showed he could have like Antonio Brown light upside I still think he could be like that type of player as someone who could win and separate on the outside against man coverage despite the smaller frame um you know I'm not saying again I'm not saying he's gonna become Antonio Brown but like that type of player uh smaller guy who could win on the outside but you know if they kind of stick him into a slot only role it's gonna be tough for him to be consistently on the right It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. What was very curious to me was in New England, where they basically let Jacoby Myers walk, and then they turn around and then they go sign Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, I'm just confused. The price was exactly the same, a three-year, $33 million contract for both players. Um, And not only that, I just looked this up. Jacoby's deal was way, is way worse. Jacoby signed essentially a one-year deal with two team options. Only $11 million fully guaranteed for Jacoby. By the way, Jacoby Myers, please, you, you need to hire yourself better agents, my man. Like, <laughs> you're, everyone was saying that Jacoby's basically the best free agent wide receiver in a year where there's not a lot of great wide receivers in the draft. In a year where there's no great wide receivers available for free agency, he should have been able to score himself a pretty nice deal, you know? And instead, he signs a three-year 33 with only $11 million fully guaranteed. They could essentially cut this guy after one year. That is, 
That's shocking. I just want to put this in perspective. And again, you know, people say, oh, I don't care about the contracts. Well, I'm just saying Christian Kirk and, and there were comparisons, right? Because when Christian Kirk signed his free agent deal, also not a great free agent wide receiver class, right? He signed a four-year, $72 million deal, $37 million guaranteed at signing. He got more guaranteed money than Jacoby got for the entire entirety of his contract. Now, again, we also clown the Jags for signing Christian Kirk to that monster deal. I get that. But somewhere in between, I thought, should have been where Jacoby ended up. And, man, he just didn't get that deal. My question to you, though, Matt, is why would New England swap Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster when, in my mind, they do a lot of the same stuff and you got them at the same price? Yeah, Juju's deal is a little bit uh, – all of these deals, by the way, like you bro- perfectly broke down with Jacoby Myers. It's like you see on – it's like, oh, three years for $33 million. There's just so much BS money in all of this, and it's like right. – I feel like more than ever, and maybe it's because the NFL, um, like NFL fans and, uh, you know, I think people who cover like, you know, takesters like us, like deal into the contracts so much more. And maybe we're just more aware of this stuff. It does feel like more than ever, though, that uh, insiders like peddle the agent's dirty work basically about like let, let's make sure we get out there the absolute max deal um because juju's deal is incentives based too like he's actually uh, i saw tom pelissero point this out that he has um you know a, a, he's got 16 million guaranteed a lot of incentives that can get him to 33 million his base value is more like 25.5 million so he's another guy that like again the same like there's a lot going on there with both these deals but to answer the kind of player to player question, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't just bring Jacoby <laughs> Myers back because <laughs> I think Jacoby Myers, like yeah. this, there was a lot of discourse about this. Um, I think Jacoby Myers uh, film, I think his reception perception, him as a player, he's just been better than Juju the last three years. Uh, pretty much like we all know that Juju has the, uh, I, I think I talked about this on the show last week. Like, He's got the fake news stats from 2018. Wide receiver stats are, in fact, fake news. Um, but <laughs> okay. he's because he's been that player basically throughout the entire in the entirety of career his career. He's cleared 81% success rate versus zone coverage in each of the last five seasons. He's been a guy who can beat zone coverage, but he can't beat press man. Jacoby Myers has shown over the last two years that he can get open against man coverage. He can get open against press coverage. Like I think he brings you much more um, – upside as a potential flanker receiver which is key for his fit in las vegas uh as we can talk about but i think that him and juju in terms of the routes that they run the routes that they win on like if you just look at their charts back to back on receptionperception.com i tweeted this out too it's pretty similar stuff like it's a lot of slants it's curls it's 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 dig routes i think uh, jacoby gives you a little bit more pop in the intermediate game um, he can he can run a deep post, a deep crosser, a little bit more than Juju can. I think he's a better, again, better route runner against man coverage. That's just period. I, I think those the RP scores really back that up. Myers has been over seventy percent success rate versus man in two of the last three seasons. But if I can get back to wide receiver blocking trutherism, uh, Jacoby not much of a blocker. Uh, uh, Juju definitely uh, a little bit more physical. He, he kind of brings you more size, like more pop as a, as a bigger guy at that slot position. So I think that might be part of the equation for a team with Bill Belichick that wants to 
that wants to be a little bit more physical and wants to run the ball. But overall, uh, my general answer to this, why do they feel the need to swap out uh, Jacoby Myers for, for Juju? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure on that. One. Matt, this, this just, it just lines up too well. Cause it's, it's new England and new yeah, England I mean, is the absolute bottom of the barrel. Worst team in the NFL when it comes to evaluating wide receivers. They are, they are yeah. the literal bizarro world Matt Harmon of the NFL. <laughs> the best guy that they've acquired the last like five years is probably Jacoby Myers. Who and was they an fell undrafted... ass backwards into <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> it was an undrafted free agent. Uh, they are, they're obviously they, they swung and miss when they brought Kendrick Bourne. Although I don't think Kendrick Bourne's like a useful player. And I think they've gotten pissed at him, but how about Nelson Aguilar? A... Like uh, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, how shocking was that signing? Like Philadelphia couldn't get this guy out of there fast enough. And New England's signing him to big money. You're like, what are you guys? And, and they, what they, are you guys doing? They, they, it's like the most unpatriots thing ever to have. Like Nelson Aguilar has this kind of surprise bounce back campaign. Yeah. With yeah. The with Raiders, the Raiders. And right, it's like, right, right. Oh, wow. Like on the cheap, great stuff. And then New England pays top dollar for the outlier year. Usually they're the other way around, like kind of scooping in guys. But wide receiver has always been a trouble spot for this team. Definitely in the draft, but lately in the pro personnel evaluation too. I mean, the Devontae Parker thing, like they, they, the, Miami's willing to trade him in the division because he can't get open. <laughs> and like the, all the Patriots need is a right. guy who can get open and they get the guy who cannot get open as a big X receiver on the outside in Parker. And also can't stay healthy and predictably both of those things were true last year. <laughs> Couldn't get open and can't stay healthy. Um, and then Tyquan Thornton, they take in the second round. They got, they've got all of these round. great receivers Wow! in the draft last year. And it's like, we need speed. Let's get the guy who is literally only speed uh, Tyquan Thornton. I mean, it just, yeah. So yeah, somebody asked that to me today is like, Oh, so clearly they don't like Bill Belichick does not subscribe to reception perception. I'm like, that has been, I think pretty clear for a while. <laughs> Uh, as you mentioned, Jacoby Myers, uh, better on deeper routes as well, better against man coverage, especially. And I think that's the big uh, point that you hammered home uh, in your profiles of both of these guys. Uh, success against man coverage, Jacoby Myers at 70.6%. Now that's, you know, again, that's slightly above average. It's pretty good. You have him ranked there it's in good, the 63rd, yeah. 63rd percentile. And again, I think when I look at like these baseline figures, if you're new to reception perception, I always look for that 70% marker. And that to Same. me yep. is basically that baseline of like, all right, can he play against man coverage? That generally the answer is yes. If you hit, if you clear 70%, um, Juju Smith Schuster, on the other hand, 54.7% success rate versus man. You've got him graded down there as the eighth percentile against man coverage. That's not very good. And then when you take a look at over the top, the nine route, and I, and I get it, he doesn't run a lot of nines, but 26.7% success rate on the nine route, uh, that's not good. Now, Jacoby Myers, 53.8% success rate on the nine route, also slightly below average or below average, but again, you're getting a little bit extra there, uh, just a little bit uh, with Jacoby Myers over Juju Smith-Schuster. So I, I'm just... I'm very confused by it. You could have had a cheaper version of Juju by just re-signing Jacoby, who, oh, by the way, knows the offense, knows the personnel, knows the players. They've built a good chemistry, right, uh, with Mac Jones and all that. I, I just, it's just baffling to me. I, I didn't understand very it weird. at all. Um, okay, but let's focus on the, the Raiders side of things there. Okay, so now Jacoby now joins up with Jimmy G. They trade away Darren Waller. 
But I, I think the biggest question for me, obviously they've got Devontae on the outside as your dominant X receiver. But I guess my question is, why sign Jacoby when you've got a guy in Hunter Renfro who, in my opinion, I, I think they do similar things as well. I think the big thing for um, this is a, pretty much what we just said earlier, which is that like I think that you can get away with Jacoby Myers being your flanker receiver. Maybe not even get away with like I think he's a perfect Z receiver, and you know I talk about this stuff on the <clears throat> on the show all the time, and it's important these pre snap designations, especially when you're starting to talk about reception perception data for these guys like Devontae Adams, who is a pure X receiver, like the definition of a classic X receiver. Yeah, um, he's going to line up tethered to the line of scrimmage. You know, he is going to be on the, the ISO side there. Uh, he's going to see a lot more press man coverage. You want your flanker receiver who's going to be on the tight end side. He can move around pre-snap. You want him to be more of a zone beater, but you also can't have him necessarily be like hapless against man coverage. I think that's like some of these guys have, have really um, have struggled to, to be full-time flankers if they absolutely can't beat uh, and, and struggle to stay on the field like what we just talked about in two wide receiver sets. You're going to lose something there if your flanker can't beat man coverage as well, because there are still times when you're going to go to, you know, 11 personnel or something like that, and 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 if he's still your full time flanker, you're going to get uh, on third down. You're going to get a lot of man coverage, more more man coverage on third down than on early down. So a lot of intricacies there, but I think basically that's the difference between a flanker and an X receiver. I think Jacoby Myers because he's at that 70 plus percent success rate versus man coverage number. I feel pretty good about him as a flanker receiver. Hunter Renfro, on the other hand, um, you know, he's not terrible against man coverage, not like Juju level, but he's 63.7% success rate versus man coverage in his 2021 profile. That was like 31st percentile at the time. He's definitely much more of like a slot only player, I right. think, than Jacoby <clears throat> Myers is. And again, the route charts are pretty similar for uh, Hunter Renfro and, and Jacoby Myers. There's going to be a lot of digs, a lot of slants, but Myers is just a little bit better on those routes and he brings more size to the equation. True. Which, by the way, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo slants, digs, crossers. That's the Jimmy Garoppolo bread and MF and butter, you know, right there for, uh, <laughs> for, for, for Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. And, um, and, and of course, uh, you know, for Devontae Adams is great on those routes too. It's going to be great with Jimmy Garoppolo there, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of the difference between these two guys is I think uh, Jacoby is more of like a, a flanker slot hybrid. Whereas I think Renfro is probably a slot only player and Jacoby's just a good player, man. I, I really have, have been a fan of Jacoby Myers the last three years charting him for reception perception. I think that ability to beat press man while also being a high end zone coverage beater, that's like, those are really good players you want to bet on. Yep. I'm kind of, especially now that Darren Waller's out of the mix and they're probably going to just play a ton of 11 personnel with these three guys. They'll probably draft like a more traditional Y tight end. I'm, I'm really excited about that base offense for the Raiders this year and for Jacoby Myers, who's still going to get some slot routes as well. But um, this is just a reminder, by the way, like when we're talking about Hunter Renfro being like a 31st percentile success rate versus man coverage player. Mm -hmm. Everybody that says like, you know, after seeing a bunch of highlights of like Renfro turning people around on option routes, like, oh, Hunter Renfro, one of the best route runners in the league, is an idiot. Okay. Because they don't actually <laughs> watch tape, okay. they watch like highlight reels. Give me a break. Like, you don't sign Jacoby Myers to probably play as your flanker receiver over Hunter Renfro if Renfro is like one of the best route runners in the league. He's a little white slot receiver who's a good player in the little white slot receiver role but he's not one of the best route runners in the league. That, that just typically like sticks in my craw a little bit. Uh, the, the, over, <laughs> the, the slot receiver that gets overrated because he like turns people around you. in zone coverage on an option route and maybe does it a couple times in the red zone. Like, watch, watch some film for once, please. 
basically what you're saying is anecdotally you're i mean it's fine but don't buy the anecdotes you got to buy uh the entire story right and the entire story for for hunter renfro uh, is that he is uh, a slightly incomplete player, at least from an outside perspective. Although I will say, I thought he was extremely productive in that 2021 season when he did play in that role. Uh, obviously, completely different offense <clears throat> uh, than they installed there in 2022. But to me, it goes back to Hunter Renfro only started one game. Only started one game uh, last year. Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins! Mac Hollins! <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, was playing routinely over Hunter Renfro. I think, in my personal opinion, and I've got nothing to base this on, but I just think the coaching staff doesn't know what the hell to do with Hunter Renfro. I think they've got no idea what to do. They don't know how to incorporate him into an offense. Um, And I think, to me, that says a lot about the coaching staff. It doesn't say a lot about to yes. me about Hunter Renfro. I think what that tells me is that Josh McDaniels and the offensive coaches there, uh, they've got to do a little soul searching. They've got to do a little homework and, and they've got to figure things out because if you cannot figure out a way to get Hunter Renfro on the field over Matt Collins, Matt Collins, that's a you he's problem. The slowest receiver in the league. I think he's probably the slowest receiver in the league. And he was playing something like 95 to 97% of the snaps. I'm telling you, that is a big time you problem. That's a Josh McDaniels problem. That is not a Hunter Renfro problem. That's not a scheme problem. That's a (laughs) you have to figure that out problem. You know what I'm saying? And to me, they go and sign Jacoby Myers. And obviously there's some history there with uh, McDaniels and Myers. And I understand that. But, you know, this idea that they're going to go to a lot of 11 personnel and figure out a way to get Hunter Renfro involved. I'm not 100% sold on that, Matt. Because they had that yeah. opportunity last year and they didn't do it. Uh, so I, I just think this this team doesn't know and this coaching staff has no idea how to incorporate Hunter Renfro, run a, a, a successful you know operation, um, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, McDaniels had Edelman for all those years. Why can't Renfro, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's, it's all of an, it, it, it's oil and water and something's not, something's not mixing there, man. I'm not here to like say let's give Josh McDaniels the benefit of the doubt um, because, you know, I'm definitely not going to be like the Josh McDaniels guy here. But um, there does seem to be some disconnect between ownership uh, and like the play. They they just shipped off Darren Waller for the hundredth overall pick, a third round pick, the Kadarius Tony pick, the comp pick they got from the Chiefs when they traded uh, the Giants traded him to, to Kansas City. Right. And they just gave Darren Waller an extension last year. And then they couldn't. There was always some weirdness between Darren Waller. Like, he was potentially available at the trade deadline. Um, I know he's pissed at Josh McDaniels for leaking his wedding uh, to, to a, uh, I mean, give me a break. Like, there's always, there's been some weirdness there. But, like, I think I think Waller and uh, Renfro were such, like, classic Raiders players. Like, Raiders success stories. Um, by the way, I, you know, look, John Gruden, <laughs> some questionable emails. We know that. Questionable character, potentially. Uh, but John Gruden was a good coach, like good offensive coach. I know people, <laughs> right, give, right. I know yeah, people yeah, think yeah. people give John Gruden a lot of crap for uh, the, you know, I'm sending it back to 1993 or whatever, 1996, whatever he said when he got hired by the Raiders. But um, he did put players in good positions and got a lot mm-hmm. out of guys like Darren Waller, who was a converted wide receiver um, that, you know, almost had a career slip out of his hands because of off field I- issues to Hunter right. Renfro who was like a day three draft pick. But, 
you know, yeah, I think I think not hmm. to come back to wide receiver blocking trutherism again. You know, Renfro's so small, and uh, Matt Collins, he's slow because he's huge and he's a special teamer. Maybe they thought like, all right, we want to have Matt Collins on the field over Hunter Renfro because we're going to run the ball with Josh Jacobs a lot. Josh Jacobs, by the yeah. way, a guy they didn't give the fifth-year option thing to. So I don't know. Not, not a lot is totally making sense for the Raiders, but I do – like a three wide receiver set of Devonte Adams at edge receiver, too. Jacoby Myers at Z, Hunter Renfro in the slot. You got Josh Jacobs in the backfield, who's a who's a stud. You got a, a pretty decent offensive line, and Jimmy G. I know the f- the first thing that people say is like, did they even really upgrade over Derek Carr? Well, they I did not. Pr- probably not. But Jimmy has been an efficient player. He knows Josh McDaniels, and they got him for cheaper than they would have had for Derek right. Carr or the Saints. That's the big thing, and I think they still have flexibility to. Basically, I think the Raiders left themselves – they're not banged by like, all right, if we don't get a quarterback in the draft, like we're having to start, you know, Baker Mayfield or Carson Wentz or something. <laughs> like we can we can, we can, can have a guy at quarterback, but they could still potentially take a guy in the draft. But I don't know. I, I can't – I haven't gotten around to like how good I totally feel about the Raiders' offense, but I do like this receiver core off the top of my – like off, off the top of my dome. Hey, listen, man, if, you, if you're starting with Devontae and you add a guy in Jacoby Myers, you're doing okay. You're, you're, you're doing, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Uh, anyways. Okay. Uh, we're running a little bit long, but that's okay. We had a lot of ground to cover uh, with, especially when you add the Aaron Rodgers drama into the mix uh, into that, uh, into that rundown as well. But anyways, a uh, new website has been relaunched receptionperception.com. Go check it out. Um, and I promise you, you guys, um, if you have seen the old site and then you see the new site, I think you'll be, you'll be impressed um, and, and of course there are some little details that we're still hammering out. Some of the sites still under construction, but that's okay. Uh, anyways, as we sit here today, March 15th, man, uh, what an exciting time it is. Free agency has officially begun. The website has relaunched and I tell you what, man, we appreciate everyone following along. So, uh, go to the, go to the website, receptionperception.com. Go check us out free DJ more sample on the site right now for Matt Harmon. I'm James Go. We'll see you.